Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Limelight Light Outdoors. On the mic with you live from the office at Sunday. I hope you're getting up and getting ready for church, but you've got time to hear this. I know most churches don't start till 1030-ish or 1045-ish or so, so you got time, I hope. I've got a few notes here, but I want to get through them. Familiar topic. We've um, probably touched on some of this multiple times, but apparently it's not done yet, so we're going to need to go back. Um, I actually borrowed part of this text from a friend of mine. His name is Dean Hulse. He's a he, he's a writer. He's an outdoor writer and evangelist. Um, he, he has God's Great Outdoors, great, great service, great ministry. Uh, talks a lot about his hunting and fishing and things along that line. But he spends some time putting in some great devotions, and I, I want to certainly give him credit for this one. Simple title, Go. We've heard that before, right? Go. And we can probably quote some scripture to go with that go. Matter of fact, Mark uh, chapter 16, verse 15 says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, to everybody. So I want to share with you a, a story. This is a hunting story with uh, with Dean. Um, actually, it was about Dean and his dad. So it's a really cool story. But I want to share his story with you, and then we'll get into some word. As light began to break, I could see shapes in the field in front of me. I had been watching this field from a distance for three days. And I wasn't allowed to shoot anything out in the field, but the, but the landowner granted me permission to walk across it. Now here I was watching dozens of mule deer, including some great bucks, feed in range of my position. Now when it got to be full light, the bucks moved off the field in the direction of where my dad was set up. I crossed the field and snuck to the edge of the canyon where the bucks had gone. When I looked down in the valley, there were three big bucks down along the creek right below me, well within range but they were moving towards my dad, who I now could see was getting ready for a shot. So I just watched the hunt play out. After a few minutes, the bucks got into position for my dad to shoot. When he shot the biggest, it ran up into an area of pines and broken rocky outcroppings. I watched it drop in an area where my dad couldn't see it and would likely have had a hard time finding it among the rocks. I stood on the hill and I gave hand signals to him. By going the way that I told him, he was successful in finding the buck. If he had not gone where I had told him to go, he wouldn't have been successful. That's one of my best memories of hunting with my dad. Sitting over that buck and taking this and taking this all in was a great day. We dragged the buck out together, just the two of us. None of it would have happened unless we followed the directions that were given. Christ gives his disciples in turn, you and I, Many dis commands that have given us great direction during his three years of ministry. For for instance, he says to love our enemies. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 through 46, a great depiction of loving our enemies. In Matthew chapter 10, 28, we're to fear not. We're to have no fear. In John chapter 2, uh, or in John 2, verses uh, chapter 1 through verses 15 through 16, it says, feed my sheep. Remember, he's talking to Peter. He gives him great commandments in, in that chapter. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 39 through 40, it's love your neighbor as yourself. What a great commandment. However, at the end of his earthly ministry, what was his very last command? Of anything that Christ could have left his disciples with, what was it that he wanted to leave them? The command was given in these two verses. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you till the end of the age. 
Dean goes on to say that a friend once told him that he felt God calling him to go to do missions work, but he wasn't clear on where or what. Maybe some of you have had that very same experience. Then one day he came to me and he told me where God wanted him to go and serve. He said, it's right here where I am. When I took on the role of, of going into ministry back in the late 90s, um, I felt that same calling. I felt the calling that, that I was headed into ministry. I was destined for ministry time, full-time service ministry. Um, I mean, we're all we're all ministers. <laughs> but I, I was going into a full-time capacity Um and and the and the coolest part was is God had really showed me that I was going into the greatest mission field of all time, my own backyard, right here, right right in amongst our own people. We're called to serve right where we are. I believe as Christians we are all called to go. This is again this is Dean's words here. But sometimes we don't have to go far. Sometimes to go is a place right where we already are. Going can be a mental and spiritual decision. Or going could bring you around the state, around the country, or even around the world. Many are called to go. I have cousins uh, who are serving in foreign missions. My, I have a cousin who is in, in South Korea, and I have a cousin who has uh, been in Russia and, and been in Italy, and uh, now they're, they're headed for Great Britain. I mean, this is great things that are going on in the ministries of the world. The truth is, there are plenty of lost people all over the world. They are next door to us. They work with us. They meet us at stores, at the gym, fishing, hunting, and even out on the street, just in general public. Sometimes we just have to listen to God's command to go, and we'll find the one or many that God wants us to bring back to him. God's Great Outdoors Ministry is a place that God called Dean to go. He he says, I travel a lot, and sometimes I'm at my computer seven days a week. Where God calls, I go. The mission field is to reach the outdoorsmen and the women who are listening on their radios or podcasts or reading these devotions. Many of mine are the same way. I spend hours putting messages together, and I put them on a podcast every single day. I put out some sort of a message. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's lengthy. But it's a message that God has dropped into me for such a time as this. That's what Dean is doing as well. How about you? Have you ever thought about this? To set your heart on wanting to reach just one person a day. I have a whole story about that I'll have to bring to you one day. Desire to cross over into enemy territory and bring one soul back for Christ. You ever thought about that? This is war. We're at war. You ever thought about slipping over into the enemy's camp and rescuing someone out of darkness and bringing them into light? That's really what we're doing when we share the gospel with someone. Each time we go, we'll become easier. Each time we go, we'll be more rewarding and we'll, and we'll find it easier to live out this command to go. Go and make disciples of all nations. What are you waiting for? Go. What a powerful word from my friend Dean as he brought to us today. Very challenging and it's very thought-provoking. But I want to add my own thoughts to what Dean has shared here. Sometimes we get caught up in the go and it's, we, we seem to forget part of this. We're the goingest people there's ever been. We're constantly busy. We go, go, go. There, there is no downtime anymore. Our world spins at a high rate of speed, and we're constantly on the move, and we're constantly called to go wherever it is we got to go. Uh, I watch my, my kids chase their kids now. This is, <laughs> I, I get to lean back and watch them go through what we went through, chasing our kids to every ball game, every ball field. Every, uh, my, my son last Saturday, they had to be in, I think, three or four different towns Throughout the day, they had to go bounce back and forth because they have a daughter and two sons playing ball. 
and and they just bounced all over the place for all the games last weekend. Uh, I mean, if we're going, we're always going, but sometimes we forget part of what that message says. We forget the make part. We go, but sometimes we forget the make. Scripture tells us, uh, Jesus said, go into all the world, but it doesn't stop there. He also commanded us to make disciples, followers of everyone we encounter. Now, the MOV, which is my own version, uh, says it this way. Go, and as you go, lead everyone you meet along the way to Jesus. Tell his story of how he set you free and what his desire is to set them free. And he has prepared a place for all of us who surrender to him in eternity. Once we belong to him, though, we have an assignment to go and to make. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 15 says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is, the word, the message, the basis of faith which we preach. Verse 9, Because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, his authority, and majesty as God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You ever wondered what it means to be saved? I know that some of my audience out here are not walking with the Lord on a current basis. Listen to what that says again, verse 9. Because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you recognize his power, his authority, and his majesty as God. You, you, you recognize who he is. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It's, it's faith. It's believing in God. You'll be saved. Verse 10 goes on. For with the heart a person believes in Christ as Savior, resulting in his justification, that is, being made righteous, being freed of the guilt of sin, and made acceptable to God. And with the mouth he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly, resulting in confirming his salvation. Again, this is powerful scripture. It's just one verse, but listen to what this says. For with the heart a person believes in Christ as Savior, resulting in his justification, that is being made righteous, put in right standing, and being freed of the guilt of sin and made acceptable to God. You're being washed clean. No, no matter who you are, no matter who you've been, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, the power and the blood of Jesus Christ can wash a sinner clean, and, and it justifies and makes you righteous before God. It's the only way. It, it is the only way. The blood of Jesus is the only way to get to the Father. And with the mouth, listen to this. This is where it starts here. This is go and make. And with the mouth, he acknowledges and he confesses his faith openly resulting in a, the confirming of his salvation. Verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him, whoever adheres to, trusts in, and relies in him will not be disappointed in his expectations. Verse 12 says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile, for the same Lord is Lord over all of us, and he is abounding in riches, blessings for all who call on him in faith and prayer. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord in prayer, will be saved. That's that's a powerful scripture. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Write that one on your fridge. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord in prayer will be saved. And I love verse 14. Rhonda and I, this is one of Rhonda's favorites too. But how will people call on him whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher, without a messenger? And how will they preach unless they are commissioned and sent for that purpose. 
just as it is written and forever remains written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. This is our calling right here in verse 14, Romans chapter 10, verse 14. How will people call on, on someone whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher, without a messenger? That's our calling right there. And how will they preach? How, how will we do what we're called to do unless we're commissioned and sent for that purpose? Jesus, as it is written and forever remains written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. How can they hear without a preacher? I love that in Romans 10, 15, Romans 10, 14, 15 underscores the crucial role of the evangelism to go and make. How then shall they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? The question central to Paul's life here should ignite us to a desire to share the good news and unbelieving with unbelieving friends, with unbelieving coworkers or anyone else who will listen to the message of Christ. Paul's rhetorical query underscores the fact that people won't hear the gospel unless it's preached to them. We can't take that notion of, well, someone else will handle it. That's not my calling. Yes, it is your calling. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. A concept that's aligned with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18, and in Mark 16. The significance of evangelism becomes more evident when considering this preceding verse. It's Joel, uh, in Romans chapter 10, is, he's quoting Joel uh, 2.32, where everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Joel 2.32 says, And it shall come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved from the coming judgment. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the remnant of survivors whom the Lord calls. We are a remnant today. We're a remnant that God has called for such a time as this. you got to realize there's a long range of, of years between Romans 10 and Joel 2. That's a, that's a long expanse. Joel 2 was prophesying of a coming Savior. And it says right there, as the Lord has said, even among the remnant of survivors whom the Lord calls. Calling on the name of Jesus involves not merely stating his name, but literally turning to Christ in our faith. Paul had earlier expressed sadness at his fellow Jews who rejected Christ, and he sought to earn salvation through adherence to the law. These, these are verses 1 through 4 of Romans 10. It says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for, for Israel is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have certain enthusiasm for God, but not in accordance with correct and vital knowledge about him and his purposes. They had a head knowledge of God, but they were not seeking a heart knowledge of him. Verse 3 says, For not knowing about God's righteousness, which is based on faith, and seeking to establish their own righteousness based on works, they do not submit to God's righteousness. They're trying to, to, to make their way into heaven by simply adhering to law, following law, without, without it allowing it to crease their heart, penetrate their heart. For Christ is the end of the law. It leads to him and its purpose it's fulfilled in him, in granting righteousness to everyone who believes in him as Savior. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. And in doing so, now we're to follow him. He's, he is the law of our heart now to follow Christ. This underscores the importance of his work and his compatriots to embrace faith in Christ. They must hear about him, a task that's entrusted to messengers, to preachers. Hence, Paul enthusiastically declares how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news in verse 15. 
And it's also quoting Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful and delightful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace, who brings good news of good things, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, our God reigns. For Paul, preaching the gospel is vital, even if it's done for wrong motives. While in prison, he wrote this, Philippians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18. He says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. There, uh, That's a whole other sermon. We'll, we'll, we'll touch that later, maybe. The gospel must be given to those who've not heard because the gospel has the potential to alter the eternity and the destiny of its hearers. You hear what you hear that? This is our calling here. The gospel must be given to those who've not heard because the gospel has the potential to alter the eternity and the destiny of its hearers. If they don't hear, how will they know? Paul writes again, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through 17, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. None have been saved without the gospel, and none can know about the righteousness of God without the gospel. There must be preachers, there must be missionaries, and others sent out from among those who know and live the faith of Christ. That would be us, followers of Jesus. It is worth noting here that Paul isn't limiting the work of evangelism to pastors and religious leaders, just people with a, with a label tied to them. Every Christian is called to fulfill the Great Commission, regardless of your location, regardless of your job description, or your income. We're called to share the Word of God. Unfortunately, evangelism is our modern term is considered a nuisance at best, and it's a crime at its worst. Even among Christians, the prevalent pluralistic worldview makes many wonder if evangelism is even necessary or moral. How sad is this? After all, there are decent people in other belief systems, including atheism, right? Well, this is dangerous ground to fall into. But this view nullifies two core truths, that belief systems contradict and that the gospel is not about decent people going to heaven. Rather, the gospel is about God transforming sinful people to make them truly decent. That, that's the key element. The gospel is about transformation. The gospel sets the captive free. Those who are bound up in false teachings, in false beliefs, those who are going on a fast track to hell unless someone intervenes and shares the truth and they accept that truth and come away from their sin, come out of darkness. We must evangelize with gentleness and with respect. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 through 16, But in your hearts set Christ apart. As, as holy, acknowledging him, giving him first place in our lives. As Lord, always be ready to give a logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope and the confident assurance elicited by faith that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect and see to it that your conscience is, is entirely clear so that every time you are slandered or falsely accused, those who attack or disparage your good behavior in Christ 
will be shamed by their own words. We're going to fight the fight. That's that's what Paul's saying. There's going to be those that come against you. Make sure your words are true. Make sure your words are coming out of you with Christ-like gentleness, but passions of truth. That's what sets people free. We must evangelize using attractive speech. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 through 6. Conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders, non-believers. Make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something precious. Let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to answer each one who questions you. This use of attractive speech, I'm not talking about buttering somebody up or saying a half-truth or something to entice someone to believe you. That's not going to work. Uh, making some sort of false promise isn't going to bring anybody any closer to anything, but conducting ourselves with wisdom in all of our interactions with unbelievers, make the most of each opportunity, treating it as something very precious, which it is. It's a life or death decision. Let your speech at all times be gracious and pleasant, seasoned with salt, so that it will, you will know how to answer each one who questions you. We must evangelize by acknowledging that God is at work to draw people to Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's power drawing others unto him. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 32, And I, if if and when I am lifted up from the earth on the cross, will draw all people unto myself, Gentiles as well as Jews. A lost world must hear the good news about Jesus, but no one will hear without a preacher. Isaiah 52, 7 through 8 How beautiful and delightful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace, who brings good news of good things, who announces salvation, and who says to Zion, your God reigns. I love this verse 8, but listen. Verse 8 says, listen. This is Isaiah. He's a prophet of God. Isaiah says, listen. Your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy, for they will see face to face the return of the Lord of Zion. We're watchmen on a wall. That's what he's called us to be. And we're to proclaim those things. What a watchman's duty was, and that's, a, again, it's a whole other message, but a watchman's duty was to, was to watch out. You know, he was up on a high tower, up on a wall, and he was watching for dangers. He was watching for things changing around the city. He was watching for, for snares or traps that were being set. And when he saw something, when he saw a danger, maybe it was approaching the city, then he cried out to the people to prepare them for whatever was coming. You hear that? We're watchmen on a wall. Look around you. Do you see the devastation of our world right now? We are to cry out the truth of what's coming so that those can prepare and change their ways. That's literally what he's saying here. Go. Powerful message. We've always considered it the Great Commission. But as you go, make followers. The, The true commission, the true Great Commission is to lead people to Jesus. We can go all day long. We can even preach the gospel all day long. You can stand on a street corner and shout word, but we have to lead people to Jesus. There's got to be an interaction. There's got to be this this coming to know someone in relationship and say, listen, as Paul said, follow me, not, not because of who I am, but because of who he is in me. Follow me because I'm going to him. I'll lead you to Jesus. I can't save you. I can't change you. I can't do anything but share with you the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth will save you. The Holy Spirit will lead you where you need to go from here. What a powerful message to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But to make followers of everyone that we encounter. 
doing the best of our ability. Everywhere Jesus went, look at look at some of Jesus' stories, some of the parables that he told, even some of the stories. Everywhere he went, he encountered sin. And, and he literally came against it. But he always ministered first. He, he used attractive speech. He, he used wisdom in his speaking. And, and, and when he talked to fishermen, he talked about fishing. When he talked to farmers, he talked about farming. He was relevant to his audience. But he spoke in such a way that led them out and left them with a choice. He, he didn't command anything of them. He didn't condemn them. He didn't uh, call them out of anything short of, listen, I see your sin. I understand, you know, <laughs> I recognize your sin. Now, here's the deal. You're to leave this teaching and go and sin no more. Change your ways. Repent and, and come to a full knowledge of Christ. He did it everywhere he went. And that's that's our calling. Our calling isn't to go into the world and condemn the world. It's condemned already. Look at it. Our calling is to go into the world and preach the truth, shine a light into the darkness, and that light being what will set people free. They'll they'll come to the light out of darkness. The Holy Spirit will draw them out. We can't save them. We can't even wash them up. All we can do is lead them to the one who can, and that's Jesus Christ. And we do so in our lifestyle, and we do so in our spoken word. Speak the word of Jesus. I just preached on that recently. Get into this world. Go into all the world and preach. Speak the word of God and, and lead people to Jesus Christ with compassion for the lost. Amen. Seeking out that which is lost so that they may be found. That's our mission here at Living Loud Outdoors. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for following along on our podcast, our broadcast. May God bless you today. I pray that you find yourself in a, in a fire-breathing house of God today, corporate worship, uh, calling out to the power of God and the Holy Spirit moving freely among you. Holy Spirit, we give you the room in our churches. I pray for our community churches. I pray for your community churches today, that they allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide in all ways through worship and in word today, that it, that it draws people to Christ today. Let the message that comes off that platform today in worship and in word draw people unto God. Lord, let your word draw all men unto you. Holy Spirit, we give you the room. We get out of the way. You have your way in us today. Your will be done. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Ron and I are praying for you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for all your prayers. Uh, your financial support is, is a great help, especially this time of need for us. Um, if you want to give all of our giving links on our website, www.livingloudoutdoors.com. That's L-I-V-I-N without the G, livingloudoutdoors.com. Uh, we have eliminated the Simple Give app. I haven't got on the website and done that yet. I need to go fix that. Uh, the Zephy link is what we're pushing people to use because it's free to you, free to us. We don't lose anything in fees. Everything comes straight into the ministry to be used in God's kingdom. Amen. Whew. Pray for us. Please continue to pray with us as we pray for you today. God bless you guys. We'll talk to you again real soon.